Youth ministry can always use some big ideas. Ideas that are faithful to relational ministry, but also provide some crazy, fun, and life-giving resources for youth leaders, youth in leadership, and the church. Now that's religion. This is the Big Ideas in Youth Ministry Podcast. Your source for information, discussion, and feedback in youth ministry of all shapes and sizes. Now, here are your hosts, Michelle Thomas-Bush and Cliff Haddocks. Welcome again to the Big Ideas in Youth Ministry podcast, where we seek to be faithful to our ministry with and for young people. Coming to you from Dayton, Ohio, I am Cliff Haddix. With me from Charlotte, North Carolina, is Michelle Thomas-Bush. How are you doing? Good. Hi, everybody. Hi. And joining us as our special guest this week in our third chair, Director of Youth and Family Ministries at Webster Groves Presbyterian Church in St. Louis, it's Brian Kuhn. Hey, everybody. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Great to have you with us. We're 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 here, and we're going to talk about the wonderfully fun topic of anxiety. <laughs> it's exciting. Uh, <laughs> we're excited to talk about anxiety. It makes me a little. It makes me a little anxious to talk about it. Right. <laughs> All of us. It does. All it is something I think uh, everybody is talking about these days, especially in youth ministry, because we realize it is much more prominent than it's ever been. Yeah, and, and you know, just just to even start the conversation, I think it's probably important just to name the fact that adolescence, in and of itself, is just a time of anxiety, right? I mean, there's so oh, many, amen. so many transitionings going on, so many new questions, so many new experiences. Uh, you know, it, it it's not um, a, a question of if it will happen; it's just the question of what's the what's the level and 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 how is the young person positioned to handle the anxiety when it, when it occurs. Great. Yeah, I think uh, we talked with our youth last night about anxiety. I was trying to get some insight, and all of them mentioned something different that made them anxious or that they struggled with, um, and many of them you know, deal with anxiety and are medicated for anxiety or deal with depression and have um, methods they use on a regular basis. So I was impressed with that, that yeah. our young people talk about it. I do think they, they name it better today than even 10 years ago. You know, I, there is something, um, there's something about them being able to put words to uh, the things that raise their anxiety level, that cause them stress, that all those things, I think that that at least points us in the right direction. Now, whether we're doing the right things to alleviate or helping them cope with those things, I guess that's the bigger question. That's a great question. Right. And, uh, the, and, and the important thing to realize is, uh, for me, is that sometimes the word anxiety is such a blanket statement that you have such a varying level of anxiety one can deal with. Mm. I mean, you, there's, there's just, I'm just anxious about, I'm anxious about my report card, or I'm anxious about um, asking this person out on a date. And then there's the legitimate medical, I need to take some medication because this is crippling level of anxiety. And um, as someone who has dealt with that full spectrum in his yeah. own life, um, you know, there, there's definitely a bit of education to be done on that. It's not all one thing. <laughs> it's, it's a very complicated onion in some way. Absolutely. But. I think too, that, uh, we need anxiety. You know, when I'm standing at the edge of the grand Canyon, I need a little anxiety <laughs> to hold me back. <laughs> that's, yeah. 
there's a purpose for that. And Cliff, that's what you're getting at is let's maybe we could help our young people name it so that when you feel anxiety about the things you need to feel anxiety about, let's let's say, okay, this is this is helpful. I need this in my life. Yeah. And then know when that crosses a line. How do but how do you know when that crosses a line? Well, right. It, it, and it, it may I'm just maybe I'm just asking the question a different way, Michelle, but I think you're right on. It, it, you know, how and how do we help our young people understand um one, the benefits of anxiety, because I think what's what tends to happen, at least in the adolescent world, and parents pick up on this as well, uh, is that if there's any sense of anxiety that now I have, oh my gosh, everything, right, there's there's something major going on, right? Oh, I, if I'm feeling nervous about anything, oh, what's wrong with me? As opposed to saying, hey, what is it that, yeah, what's the positive thing that that's doing for you? Um, and being able to name, it really only becomes an issue once it becomes uh, crippling, right, once it holds you back from the things that you're really supposed to be able to do, um, right, once it interferes with, basic functions like sleeping and eating and, and, and social function, you know, and, and things like that and, and helping our parents and helping our young people understand where, uh, where some of those divides are. Well, even that list you just mentioned, uh, three things, uh, when it becomes a crippling level of anxiety, when it holds you back, when it inf- interferes with basic functions and Cliff, you mentioned this at the beginning. I, I don't think we say that enough so that people can, can gauge that. Um, I'm the type of person that I say, you know, let's go, let's pull yourself up, let's get going. Uh, and sometimes you can't do that mm-hmm. because the anxiety does become crippling. So thank you for listing those three, three or four pieces of how we can identify that. Do you think we have, do you think we're in a time where, I mean, you hear, you hear critics of, uh, millennials and now this this new generation whatever you know they have like 18 different names for it so you choose one but um you know and and one of the critics that comes from adults the criticisms is that they're right they're just they're too soft they're not, they're not enough but i wonder what that message is doing to our young people as they receive it um mm. being that they can't process it they can't process that message at the same on the same level that we as adults can process it. Right. Right. I think it's different if you um, I think you're exactly right. This new generation has heard so much about what they're supposed to be, that they're trying to be perfect. And that puts anxiety on themselves. Just the essence of it. Yeah. So maybe it's reframing it and saying, you know, this is how can you use in a in a time when anxiety is normal and there's some benefits of anxiety, maybe we say that this is an opportunity to look at this situation and use that anxiety to um, help overcome something, to push you forward. But I think they're already doing that. I mean, this is a pretty uh, solid generation. They are, I think some people look at them and think they're too soft because they have high expectations of them, mm. but maybe too Maybe too high because they are adolescents. Well, every generation loves to point at the next generation and to pat themselves on the back on how great they are. I mean, our parents did it to us. Our parents didn't understand us. Our parents didn't think we did blank, blank, blank. I'm I'm really kind of over the whole why my generation is better than your generation thing. Um, Totally. But at the same time, 
I, I do think, and, and Michelle, we kind of touched on this in episode zero, about how much of parental fears and anxieties trickle down to our children oh. and our youth because of the things that they are seeing, some of which are legitimate. Um, right. When we are, when we see um, families struggling financially because job markets are drying up, when we see those types of things that, that the parents are like, you've got to get a good education and you've got to get a good job because I don't know if I'll be able to take care of, you know, that is, that's going to create some real anxiety. You know, and if, it's if valid. you see your parents struggling, and that's a very valid. And on top of that, we also have like you know the fear that any given moment some horrible person is going to do a horrible thing to you because the news cycle fills our day with that constantly. Um, you know, the, and the, the we've fear seen that, that. Yes, absolutely. And, and um, it, it, as someone who also spent a good part of his life working in media, you know, we got to get you to watch at six o'clock. So we're going to make certain you're. You you need to tune in to find that thing that's in your kitchen that could be killing you, but we're not going to tell you about it till six o'clock. Right, so right. come back then. Um, Brian, Brian and, did and, you and, see that? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Cliff. Well, it, it's just all of this stuff is part of of the ethos that's out there. That that, and I I, I feel bad for our current generation that has all this stuff of fear around them, has all this stuff of of. Of you got to watch out for the people who aren't like you. You got to watch out for this. You got to watch out for that. And on top of that, oh by the way, you're also soft, and you're not uh, as good a generation as I would have yeah. been. And how do they? I, I I don't really know how they're digesting all this. And I think we're I think we're still learning uh, some of that, right? In terms of how they're digesting it, and then how it manifests itself. Um, and, and and to kind of to your earlier point, Cliff, I, I'm with you on the the generational thing and. What, what people often tend to miss in the criticism of the generation coming up is that we are the ones who raised that generation. Exactly. So, so can we at least stop and, and pay attention to the things that we did to make this generation whatever it is, right? Um, and, and I think there's now so many um, – our young people are exposed to so many unanswered or unanswerable questions – and we know that's that is where anxiety breeds, right? In it breeds in these questions that we either haven't discovered the answer to, or will never discover the answer to. Um, and for an adolescent uh, whose whose brain is just you know is very emotionally focused and emotionally functioning, um, those types of experiences quickly get out of control. And so when they're getting that. Um, not only from themselves, but also from media and and adults who surround them and their school and coaches. Right. I mean, I think that they're they're receiving those sorts of messages of, of um, what happens if this doesn't work um, from all these different sources. And then they uh, their emotional brain takes over and it just leads to worry and anxiety and and all the things that come with that. Well, and we, I like your point on answerable questions because that is in the church, you know, we try to explain that sometimes it's better to ask the questions than get the answers yeah. to issue faith. But maybe that could translate into life too that um, we, we all, regardless of generation, we all expect to get an answer pretty quickly because we can Google something, we can call somebody, yeah. we can phone a friend, we can look something up. We're used to getting it immediate. So to have yes, unanswerable yeah. questions 
is mm. it's very scary. But in the church, we say sometimes you have to live into the answers, and that may take years. So maybe that could translate too if we teach that process of how to ask questions. Totally, and, and something that I've started doing uh, with my youth, and and also with my own personal children, is um, sitting with is sitting with a question, even though we know all we have to do is pick up our phones to find the answer. Let's just right. wonder on this question for a while, right? I mean, the, let's just sit and and talk about what possible outcomes it could be. Um, let's talk about what would change if we actually knew the real answer as opposed to what we think we know. Um, and maybe we're going to walk away from this conversation, not looking up the answer at all. And isn't that actually, there's That's something wonderful process. about that, right? <clears throat> and just asking what I wonder, I wonder about this. Um, yeah. That's a great question because we're used to just somebody spoon feeding us the answer, but to sit and imagine or wonder, or to think critically about an issue, that's a great idea just to give space for the questions. Totally. And I think that's something, you know, I'm not a big romanticizer of the past. I mean, I, I think we learn a lot from history, we, we, but we also can't get fixated on it, right? Because time continues to move forward. But one thing that we I think we can draw from the past is that idea of, think about how many people generations of people who have come before us who who didn't have instant access to information and that wonder process um sparked something in them right they they instead of getting um instead of that process being anxiety producing for them it sparked energy to be like i want to figure this out right i want to figure out why um, a, B, and C are happening, right? I want to figure out why if I stand over here and talk in this wall, you can hear me on the other side of the room, and it sounds like I'm coming. My voice is coming out of the other wall. Like I want to figure out why that happens. And, and, <laughs> and don't ask me why. I just came up with that example. I was staring at my wall. The and <laughs> it's a great you know, example. But, but I think that um, I think we've lost. I think our our maybe I fear. Maybe I fear. I have anxiety that our young people may be losing some of that uh, mm. because of their attachment to technology and instant gratification of information. So well, what you're saying is because they haven't stretched the muscle of not knowing because they can so often check, you're saying that in a time they hit when they can't do that, it's it's overwhelming. Is that yeah, what I'm yeah. getting from you? Okay. I, I, yeah, I think that's it exactly. You know, it, when you when they're faced with questions like, um, "What if I ask this girl, this boy, whoever, out on a date, and they say no?" Well, that's not an answer. That's not you can't Google that to find out what you're going to experience, right? And so the anxiety of the unknowing of what this person's going to do or how this person's going to respond to me. Um, I just, I just am starting to see that become more and more of a factor in their decision making, right? To, to just to choose to not do something, right? What is, what, how are my parents going to react if, um, how are my parents going to react if I don't get an A on this test, right? Is a very different question of how am I going to feel about myself if I don't get an A on this test, right? And, uh, and I just, I, I feel like our young people oftentimes struggle with questions like that and, and they get real stuck when they can't, uh, 
when they can't come up with the immediate answer. And again, that's, I think that's true for all people. Again, that's where anxiety breeds. Um, but then it's teaching them how to, how we, how we cope and deal with those moments that we face where we can't know the answer. We're not going to know the answer until we experience it. Um, and even then we may not fully understand it. Well, and you've mentioned, uh, how do we cope? So what, I mean, the reality is our young people are more anxious than we've seen before in youth ministry. We're seeing that I have, you know, half my group on a retreat will take melatonin at night just to go to sleep because they can't go to sleep in their way. Um, we, we see our young people dealing with anxiety that is crippling, that they can't fly. They can't, um, do certain things in life. There are things that hold them back. So how do we help them cope or what can we do as people of faith to walk alongside these young people? Do you have so any insight, Brian? Yeah, I think one of my favorite books right now is The Spiritual Child by Lisa Miller. And one of the things that she talks about that I think this is this is exactly where the church fits in is that she has found in her uh, brain research that uh, young people that have a connection to a spiritual a spiritual connection um, seem to have a brain that is more resilient. Mm. And so the more that we can help our young people form this uh, uh, a spiritual connection that they can hold on to during this time of adolescence, during this time of brain development and, and all the things that come with it, um, the, her research is really pointing to the fact it, it, it allows for them to be more resilient in the difficulties that they'll face. It doesn't mean that those things aren't going to happen, right? It doesn't mean that they're not going to have some severe moments of anxiety. Right. It doesn't mean right. they're not going to have severe moments of depression. It doesn't mean they're not going to make mistakes and right drink too much or um, you know have sex when they shouldn't have. Right? It doesn't mean they're not necessarily going to do those things, but what it means is that when those moments occur, that their brains are in a better position to rebound from it in a healthy way so that they don't continue to make the same mistake over and over again and they don't find themselves getting stuck as easily as young people who don't have that same spiritual connection. I love that. that. That's a great book. Uh, The Spiritual Child um, by Lisa Miller, right? Yes. Wow. That's a, this is, really some new information for us, I think, um, or we've been talking about it for a while, but it's, it's a, a new angle on it. And I think that's helpful for us as people working with young people. Yeah. And then I think along with that, um, as people who work with young people, we just have to be, the church is in this amazing place to have difficult conversations and our young people are need to have safe places to have difficult conversations, to do that wondering, to do that processing of what if it, what if it turns out this way? What if it turns out this way? What if it turns out this way? Um, and, and I think the more that we can position ourselves as uh, adults in the lives of young people, churches in the lives of young people, youth ministries in the lives of young people to have those difficult conversations with our, with them, um, that in and of itself is a cope, right? We're, we are teaching them how to cope with with difficult things, and we're teaching them that they're not alone, that they don't have to seek out these questions all by themselves. Yes, giving them some adults who can walk alongside them, um, that's such a great tool. And then modeling that we have those adults too. Yes, 
Oh, right. Totally. Yeah. That even though, right. Even though we're the adult in the room, that doesn't mean we have it all figured out. Exactly. Oh, no. No, no, no. Cliff, <laughs> no. I know you have it all figured out. Oh, no, not at all. No, not at all. I was, I, it was funny as we were thinking, I, I always have to kind of look at this through the scriptural lens. And I was trying to think about, I couldn't think of a single off the top of my head Bible story in which the main character, what they had to do and how it was supposed to go played out in a simple step-by-step fashion. Yeah, I love that. Like, I couldn't think of anything. All of them are like, nope, there was a detour. Nope, that w- that didn't work out That's right the first time. That's a great nope. way to reframe it. I love that. This had to go over here. Like, it, it's all, you know, it, it's all bumbling, stumbling, bouncing off the guardrails, you yeah. know, just trying to keep it in the road. And, you know, with the exception, I mean, I mean even... Even Jesus' ministry takes detours he wasn't expecting. You know, that that, that yeah. the original plan very rarely works out. And yeah. and and a clear path well, is not always laid out. The it's, original plan as we would want it to go yes. doesn't work out. But it does work out in some ways. Oh yeah. And well yeah, yeah, but very rarely in an easy step by oh, I will do uh, X and I will get Y. Not. Yeah, and aside of I push the I push the toast the bread down and toast will come up. Okay, that's that's a pretty step by step. But so many other things in our life, you know, not so much. You know, uh, uh, even how my day is going to go. I mean, uh, not to let too much out of the bag. We started a half an hour late because of things that just happened. It was nobody's fault, but. Our recording today had to be moved because now could we have gotten all wrapped up and all uh, all in a knot about oh no it's not going to work out we're not going to get to record no we adapted because that's what we had yeah. to do I love looking at the scriptures it. though I haven't thought about it that way that nothing does work out exactly how you plan it but that doesn't mean God's not walking with you through that and it doesn't mean that. Um, you don't end up at exactly where you need to be. Mm-hmm. And that's a great way because there isn't, there aren't biblical stories that are necessarily about anxiety or depression. I mean, you know, we could always pull out Job, but you know, mm-hmm. that's a story in itself that's separate. So I love Cliff, that idea of looking at the scriptures as, you know, I love, I might have to quote you sometime about the, all the bumbling and stumbling, um, the way. <laughs> Well, I'm also, big on bumbling and stumbling. I do it a lot. And, right. and just listening to you all talk gets me thinking. I'm thinking about all the all the encounters that we read um, with Jesus, and and I would guess, if not all, of ninety right eight point seven percent of them, in some way, shape, or form, are anxiety ridden. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, we think about. We think about Jesus meeting the woman at the well, right? Why is the woman at the well? Because she's been ostracized by her community. Anxiety, right? I mean, we think about Jesus and... Or the fishermen. You know, when they're, they can't get fish, they've got to feed them. There's anxiety there. Yeah. We think about all the people who go to Jesus for healing. Um, we think about the disciples and the anxiety that they have over this truth that Jesus comes back to over and over again, that he's not going to be around forever and they can't deal with it. Right. Oh, but master, that's not going to happen. Oh, but, <laughs> but, but please, please, Jesus, assure me that I am your favorite. Assure <laughs> yes. me that I am your favorite. That's a, that's a really blown up anxiety, but it's there great. too. That's yeah, a great that's... way to look at the scriptures. So Brian, what can we do in youth ministry just on a day to day basis to help, our young people besides, 
giving them space for questions, looking at these scriptures in a new way, um, identifying things. Are there some other things that we can do, practical tools for youth ministry? Yeah, I, I think I think I think one is include parents in these conversations because one of the things is, that we know happens is that the anxiety of the parent gets passed down to the anxiety of the child, and oftentimes the anxiety of the parent has absolutely nothing to do with the with the child. It has more to do with their own parenting skills, their their own um, insecurities as, as a parent, or their own anxieties that come with. I just want to make sure that my child is safe. Right? I just want to make sure my child is successful. I just want to make sure my child. Yeah. So, 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 so you include parents in these conversations. Parents of current adolescents, and reach out to your parents of the children in your congregation, and start those conversations with them before their children reach adolescence, um, so that they can prepare themselves. Um, as parents for the things that are coming, Be, especially if they're parents right. of, of their firstborn, you know, their firstborn, when they've never gone through this themselves, do what we, you know, let's, let's do what we can do uh, from a faithful uh, and community's perspective to help prepare our parents for, for that, those types of things. Right. Um, another is, is one that I think we've already, you've already touched on a little bit, Michelle, but I, I am such a fan of um, connect your young people with other adults in the, in the, in the, in the church. Um, uh, Ch- uh, uh, Chap Clark wrote a book a number, a number of years ago called hurt and then came out with a different ver- version of it, uh, hurt 2.0. And, and, uh, but he, in that book, he names, and I think he's right on. I think he was a little cutting edge when he, when he said it, he names um, one of our societal ills is the fact that our young people don't have adult friends in their lives anymore. The, the shifts in society have taken adults out of the lives of young people in roles as as just friends, right? The adults in the lives of our young people, for the most part, have very specific roles that they are playing, um, mm. and, and there's no room for friendship. And the church is an amazing place to, to nurture that and to bring that back, right? We have these this plethora of, of people, and right. and and it you know, right. And, and, the faith and, family is and, large. The faith family is large, and so help, connecting our young people with other adults. In the church, um, I you know, think is a the, huge part of this. The Search Institute has some great resources, great resources on adults uh, walking alongside young people and the relationship, developmental relationships that need to happen. But recently, they had a, some research that showed only 16% of young people feel like they have five adults in their life. And mm. wow. we've been preaching that in youth ministry for years. Let's get five adults in their life who are not their parents. Let's let's continue to put adults in their life. But Search Institute has been following young people and surveying them and found 16%. That's a, such a small so part small. of young people that actually can name five people who are going to be there for them. And, and, and I think part of it, well, and I wonder, this is just a hypothesis. I'm just listening to you share that. I wonder if it's part of it is because we get stuck that there's only a certain there's only a certain type of person who will connect with it with, with the teenager, right? And we forget about our grand population. That if we can, I think there's a huge wealth of knowledge and love and caring in um, adults who are empty nesters or grandparents or of grandparent age, um, and connecting them with our young people because I think they bring a different sort of wealth of knowledge 
and they bring a different sort of perspective to the lives of our young people. And our young people see them different. They don't see them as, oh, you're just my parents' friend, right? Or you're just the youth pastor. Or that, that they are kind of set aside as this other that they don't really have a great con- a, a lot of connection to. And so it, it's, I think it's, it's ripe for some and really some amazing them, relationships. Some of the adults are asking some of the same questions. They're dealing with oh, identity. So true. They're dealing with belonging. They're dealing with... Where do I find my power now that I'm not working if you're if you're talking to retired people? And those are all the big questions that our young people are asking. Like, who am I? Where do I belong? Where where can I use my voice? And so to, if you have somebody who has a lot of wisdom walking alongside you who is asking those same questions, what great yeah. space for youth ministry to have. Yeah. yeah. I, I wonder if I wonder if sometimes we suffer from the the, the feeling uh, the perception that what kids and youth want is a bunch of cool. Yeah. They want cool oh, right youth on, leaders who are young and they, they they want a buddy and a pal. And, and the, and unfortunately a lot of youth ministry does suffer from that thought that no, the, 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 the folks who've got some good years and some good wisdom. Yeah. Uh, Richard Pryor once said, there's no such thing as an old fool because you mm. don't get old being a fool, mm-hmm. you know, right. and, and, and there's some wisdom in that, that, you know, someone who's, been through and 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 seen life and and had and been kicked through. around a little bit. Yeah, they know they know what what it's like to go through it. And yeah. now, granted, you, you don't want to get that person who just tells again. Well, you got to toughen up. You know, that that <laughs> we, we got to make certain we don't do that. But yeah, uh, yeah we balance it. Balance it. Yeah, um, there may be some screening involved in this process, but, but of, of, right there should on. always be screening. Involved. Yeah, I love that idea, <laughs> Brian. Let me go back to. Uh, coping mechanisms. Are there some other things that we can share with young people? Because that's what I'm finding. My young people are asking, you know, late at night when they Mm. can't sleep or right in the midst of, you know, the hardest time in their life, what are some coping mechanisms? And we've been doing a lot of mindfulness and meditation and teaching some different career, but what are some other tools that we could equip them with to walk through this time that is full of anxiety? Well, I'll, I'll give a simple answer and then I'll give a more, a more detailed answer. Well, a simple answer is, um, and it seems obvious, but it's, it's, it's not to them. One is to put their phone away because mm-hmm. I think a, a lot of times they go to their, when they're feeling anxious, that's where they go first. And, or and to... they, they go to it to either escape. They go to it to reach out to friends. They go to it. Certainly. I think they go for, for any okay. sorts of reasons, right? And and I think it's helping them understand that um, when we're at our most most anxious, a lot of the things that we're going to find uh, on our phone in social media and whatnot are only going to make us more anxious, right? If we're already not feeling great about ourselves, Instagram probably isn't the place to go mm-hmm. look, right? Not for me, <laughs> and, to be honest. And, 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 so, and so helping them understand that in those times they may feel drawn to that um, to that phone because that's where some of their connection is and maybe they need to use it in order to reach out to somebody who who they know cares for them but that's the extent of it right what I think when we're when we're most anxious when it's possible when we can have some real one-on-one human interaction that is what's going to alleviate our anxiousness um, most is my belief. 
The second is, and, and you named it in terms of some mindfulness, um, I think we are in a great position to teach them what are, what are things that do that, that do that relax us, that help us put things into perspective. Um, right. Um, when you're anxious, well, oftentimes our brains are working really fast and um, the thoughts are coming and going really quickly. Um, so, you know, do we, we teach our young people how to pray <laughs> in times like that and to be still and to be quiet uh, because I think our natural our natural inclination in those moments can be to just almost speed up and try to problem solve um, when we may not be in a position to problem solve. Uh, we may be in a position where we just need to sit and listen and be quiet for a little bit. And so helping them understand and, and having the tools of, of, of how do I pray in these moments and, and how do I find quiet time in the midst of the busy school day? Um, how do I... How do I uh, also acknowledge that something is really, I'm really feeling out of sorts and who are the people that I can turn to pretty quickly um, who can offer me respite and who can offer me counsel, right, and who can offer me the care that I need. Um, so empowering them to um, have some of those things built inside of them, like prayer and positive thinking, um, uh, teaching teaching them um, teaching them decision making skills how do we process the, the, the choices that we have to make um, and so when they're kind of facing um, something that is raising anxiety in them that they kind of have you know some some real clear okay how do I assess this situation how do I assess what's going on in front of me what are the what are the possible choices that I have to make in this in this particular situation um, how can I best anticipate the outcomes um, for my, you know to, so that I can best then choose what it is that I need to choose knowing that I can't fully ever predict what's gonna what's gonna come next um, and, and, and helping so so teaching them those sorts of sorts of things I think are, are great in coping I'm taking good um, notes and, so, uh, okay <laughs> I'm putting that as number three decision making skills yes and then I would the, the last part is helping them know um, pick up um, pick up anxious cues in their friends because that's probably where it's going to, when, when anxiety becomes a, a, a big problem um, it, uh, in our young people, it's probably their peer group that's going to notice it first. Um, if and they so they can pick and, up those cues. Yeah. So if they can pick up those cues, then we, we teach them how to identify those things and we teach them how to pass them on. Right. Um, in the, uh, I do some um, suicide uh, awareness and, and prevention work for a group Which called Soul Shop. And um, yeah, and in, in that process, um, when we are teaching this to the young people and when we're teaching it to the adult adults, we say, you know, one of the first things we have to do is 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 identify the people, the adults who surround us who can be of help to us. Um, and it's so important when we're teaching. Um, uh, suicide prevention and understanding to young people that they don't take on the the struggles of their friend as their own struggles, right? Mm -hmm. That they don't just pull their their peer group together and be like, "Oh, we're going to take care of this together and and push out the role. adults." It's not their role, right? Uh, Thirteen Reasons Why is a great example of what happens when that happens, right? If, if, mm -hmm. if we've watched that or read the book, that's basically what happens is the 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 the, the teenagers the in this. The teenagers in the story are trying to take care of it all themselves, and they're not 
accessing the adults that they have around them. So helping our young people know who those adults are so that when these um, anxious moments occur, that they, when they see them in their friends, that the, the, the peer group knows the next step, right? Here's who I can go to for help with this. Here's someone who I know will be a help to my friend. Here's someone who I can trust that we can, we can kind of say, yeah, this anxiety may be coming from some decisions that we made that weren't great, uh, but that we know, you know, we know that I can trust Michelle and I can be honest with Michelle and she's going to take care of me and, um, and she's going to take sure. care of my friend, even if she doesn't know who this person is. Exactly. Cliff, uh, one of the things that Brian taught in this soul shop, uh, workshop on suicide mm-hmm. awareness was do we each have three people that you, Brian, correct me if I'm wrong, but three people who you can call and tell now that if I get in a place of desperation, I will call you and letting them know that ahead of time. And I thought that was so helpful. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's not as clear, but I, I thought that was helpful that, you know, Cliff, do you have three people you could call? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I could, yeah, I could list three granted, you know, I'm married. So that makes it, there's one, there. uh, but, but yeah, that, that is a, a, a deep question to ask. It's kind of like that learning to swim before you go to the shore type of thing. You know, do you, do you have the resources mm-hmm. you need for when you go to the dark place yeah. instead mm-hmm. of once you get there? Well, how do I get out of this? Totally. Um, and, you know, and yeah, we're much, we're time. much more, we're much more likely to access those people if we've accessed them before the crisis arises, right? Because if we're trying to think of who those people are in the midst of our crisis, sometimes um, your brain doesn't work. Our brains don't work. Right. Or it just adds another level of anxiety to, Oh, now I have to go right now. I have to go to cliff and I have to explain like why I'm coming to him and all these other things. Whereas if, if we go ahead and say, hey, Cliff, I just want you to know you're one of the people in my life who I'm going to go to if I'm really struggling with suicidal thoughts or just in a real desperate place. Um, so I just want you to know that. Then if that time comes for me, I don't have to process, oh, what am I going to say to Cliff? How am I going to explain why I'm coming to him? What if he doesn't want me to come to him? We've already broken that wall down, right? Now I know that that, that avenue is, is just paved and waiting for me, and all I have to do is walk down it. And Cliff, if you get a call from me, if you're one of my people and you get a call from me late at night and I can't verbalize anything, you know instantly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. great. Point. I know. I know from where this is coming from. Um, yeah. I, I'm. I'm trying so hard not to spoil things. I just got done watching Stranger Things <laughs> and uh, the Stranger Things season, and I will say nothing. Say I nothing. will say nothing. I am so good. I will say nothing plot wise. But one of the things I love about the first season and the second season is how those boys have their community Mm -hmm. and how they Mm -hmm. have their rules and how they have their words. And in this season, there's a time when a word is evoked that lets everyone know this is serious. Mm -hmm. And like there's the, it cuts through everything. And, and I, and I, I love that they have the rules to their community and the way it works and, and a way of support for one another so that no one is left 
alone. Yeah. No one is left behind. Uh-huh. No one is left isolated and alone. And I just, I love that about it. And there's, there's things, I mean, there, there's teaching tools in, 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 in that, um, oh. in line with this, you know, do we agree that if you call me late at night, I'm not going to blow it off. Yeah. You know, Cliff, you know, provided, you, provided you don't abuse exactly. it. <laughs> there, exactly. there is always boundaries we have to figure out and understand, you know, uh, I, I am not going to, you can't call me every single night simply because you you can't decide what to have to lunch for lunch the next day. That we've got to have a boundary. But in terms of very are, serious needs, you no, know, we can have that established. Yeah. And Cliff, you brought up a good point about Stranger Things that that those uh, shows um, or when you are watching something and you notice something, um, especially like Stranger Things, that's a great resource for parents to watch with their young people. Mm-hmm. And have the conversations because yes. you're you're already doing it. You're wanting to go into it and have some conversation because there's some great theology and methodology there. And what if that young person mm-hmm. is sitting beside you and you can start talking through some of these big issues right there in the midst of a show that they feel comfortable with? Yeah. It's it's funny, you know. I'm 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 going to evoke my wife here because my my wife is a therapist as well as a pastor. So we can't just go to the movies without it being dissected by the time we get home. <laughs> like like we came back from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, and she's like, "Oh, there's so much good family origin stuff in here. I can use this for talking to foster kids. I can use this for talking and just like and I'm like, yeah, yeah. And and how about that baby group? Huh? Exactly. How about that? <laughs> You know, but um, I, I do want to piggyback off that. Um, as I was getting ready to leave the house this morning, I asked her, as I, I told her, what we we're going to be talking about. I was like, what resource do you have? She said, oh, she said, there's a great website, copingskillsforkids.com. It has downloadables and discussions and guides for, like, if, if you are a youth worker who's unsure where to even start. Yeah. It has some good resources for discussions and how to how to build up a lot of these skills that we're talking about. Her big thing was saying the most important skill for teens in her eyes, early practice of mindfulness yeah. through meditation, prayer, yoga, and breathing, and being able to center exactly. oneself. That that's just a skill that's not right. taught. You know, it's in, starting in, to be taught, in, in, especially in the school. It's not being taught. Well, there are mindful schools now that are realizing if they could yeah. start it in kindergarten, if they could start it at a young age. These are skills that people need their whole life. And some of them are very basic skills of breathing, of centering yourself, of clearing your mind, Brian, like you talked about before. Um, I love that website, though, uh, copingskillsforkids.com. Thank you, Cliff. Mm-hmm. Yep. Let, let me ask one thing. Um, Brian or Cliff, have you all heard of the indie Netflix uh, indie movie coming out called Angst that Michael Phelps has been a prominent advocate for I've, I've heard flashes of it, but I don't know the background. Yeah, Same, same, same here. I think I'm just um, excited to see that come out in the next couple months and see, I think it's a documentary that is one of those that might be in movie theaters, but churches might be showing it instead. Uh, One of those that, you know, you might uh, connect with the, leaders of that it's called angst and it just takes a look at anxiety and normalizes it. And I think that's what we talked about at the very beginning is recognizing that, you know, 40 million adults over 18 deal with anxiety. 
Michael Phelps yeah. is one of those. He's somebody we know. And so to have somebody like that speak about it, but the movie, uh, even the trailer just gives a great glimpse at what young people struggle with on a day-to-day basis. And I think that may help us um, really get to talking about this a little bit more. Yeah. I'll have to look at that. I'll just look at the trailer. <clears throat> yes. Well, thank you all for your time. Any other resources that we want to throw out to people? How about we hear what kids think? Oh, that's great. We have uh, somebody who's done some interviews. Um, uh, Finley and um, Lucy are doing a word on the street, and so they have interviewed some young people to talk about uh, where they see anxiety in their life and how they deal with it. Have you dealt with anxiety, and how did you deal with it? I've dealt with anxiety in school with tests, quizzes, and homework that need to be finished. I've dealt with it by meeting with teachers and pushing through homework, tests, quizzes, and studying. I've dealt with anxiety in school and my family, and I box and talk to people. Doing yoga has helped me learn how to breathe in stressful situations because it helps me calm down and breathe slowly. I don't really have anxiety, but my sister did, and she had it so bad that she couldn't go to school some days. I have bad anxiety when I take my math test. I don't really deal with anxiety, but my sister does, so when she gets stressed out and she has to sleep, she takes melatonin to calm her down. If I get anxiety or if I'm stressed out, I just lay down in my bed and wait to solve the problem later so you can take a break. Finley and Lucy have done their word on the street, and um, a few, um, having Josh piece it together because um, there was asking that question doesn't create just instant response. Oh, yeah. So uh, there was a lot of dead space in it, and so. Well, I mean, but that's fine because if you think about it, you, uh, and and we can kind of bring this back, you know, talking to youth about an, an issue like this isn't as easy as what's your favorite yeah, TV right. show? Oh, well, that that rolls right yeah. out of the tongue. When you ask a youth to get deep, there's kind of it always feels like there's that moment of they're saying, "Can they trust you yeah. with that? What, what? Why are you asking this deep a question?" And especially if you've just met somebody, you know, that's going deep can usually takes a little bit of time to get comfortable, especially something like this. And I think it's a process of it becomes a process for all of us of, wait, do you want me do you want me to give you the real answer (laughs) or is this one of those moments where you just want me to give me that? Uh, I'm supposed to give you the simple answer to this. Yeah. Am I supposed to give you the children's sermon answer? Is that what you're fishing for here? The Jesus answer. Well, and. So, God, Jesus, the Bible. Here's a, here's, I'll pull in some generational stuff. I know it's frustrating, but this generation, one of the things I've learned about them is it is hard to throw out and ask a question to them because they're trying to think of what is the perfect answer you are looking for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and you can see it if you're teaching Sunday school or if you're teaching youth group and you say, okay, hey, um, everybody, just raise your hand and share one thing. And they freeze. Mm-hmm. Because that—that's where I say anxiety coming in uh, to play in the church a lot too. Is that our teaching methods are a little bit archaic for this generation, and they need some time to process it, or they could turn to their neighbor and share it with their neighbor. But just in front of a whole group, they're they struggle with trying to find the perfect answer that you are looking for, um, and. Maybe that goes back to, Brian, what you talked about in the beginning is that we can get the answers to things, and young people know that. So what is the exact right 
answer with the right words and the right phrasing. Otherwise, I'm not going to speak. Yeah, I think that's so true. And, and then how much they um, – I think this is this is a youth ministry thing. I think it's been around a long time, but it's in that same – it's in that same vein of when they hear us, when they hear an answer that either they're comfortable with or they, they think is right, they'll just keep repeating it. Right. So it's like, yeah. Oh yeah. That, I, was, I like what I he was said. Say, I like what she yeah, said. I, exactly. I was going to say that, that worked too. last time. The adults really responded to that. So I'm going to say it again. Jesus. Yes. God. <laughs> <laughs> back in the, back in, uh, baptism, uh, uh, communion. Uh, right. That's right. Back in the, the olden days around here when uh, when they were still before I was in charge of the confirmation program and they were still giving confirmation tests. Oh, don't get me started. And uh, but, but think about this. Have we ingrained that in them? Because so much of even the old teaching in the church was getting a kid to repeat back the catechism. Right. Them. So there was a right answer. We expected that's them, right. As opposed to breaking it open and seeing what do you or thinking think? critically or wondering. That's right. I would just walk by. They'd all be sitting out in the hallway, just all very, like, not wanting to go into the class to take this test. And I'd just be like, just write down Jesus. They can't tell you it's wrong if you write down Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah, that's exactly right. Just say Jesus. Say Jesus. <laughs> all right, I had the best uh, comment and confirmation this week because our young people didn't know. I said, you know, where would you like to be? Uh, would you like to be with Jesus at the nativity when he was born or at the um, feeding of 5,000 or at the healing of the demonic or the paralytic? Or would you like to be at uh, the resurrection? And you had to go to four corners and one kid walked by and he said, you know, those baseball tournaments we were going to probably a bad choice uh, <laughs> because they didn't know any of the stories about Jesus. So they couldn't even give that answer. Jesus answered. Oh, oh, interesting. Yeah. Soccer tournaments, not a great choice before confirmation. <laughs> best confirmation comment all year. That was awesome. That's great. Love the honesty, too. <laughs> well, Brian, thank you for your time. This has been really helpful. I have about three pages of notes for myself and for my youth ministry. Um, I love talking with you about your work and your insights into young people. So thank you for taking this time with us. Oh, thank you all for having me. Let's, uh, let's do it again. So much to talk about. Hey, Brian, if someone wanted to communicate with you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Um, yeah. So if you want to just like email me, cause you think I'm a great guy to email, uh, you can email me at the, that's, uh, at the church. And that email is B R K at W G P C dot O R G. Um, if you're interested in Soul Shop and knowing more about the work that I'm doing with that and suicide prevention incredible. and awareness, um, you can email me at brian at soulshopmovement.org. And that's Brian with an I. All right. And Michelle, let's remind folks how to get a hold of us. I am at mthomas-bush at myersparkprez.org. It could be a little bit longer, but uh, that's my email. Love to hear from anybody. And I am Geek at Gmail. That'll do us for this episode of the Big Ideas in Youth Ministry podcast. Be sure to be active in the Facebook group uh, because that's where we're getting a lot of our ideas and a lot of our discussions. So thank you for listening. Please do us a favor and swing by iTunes and drop us a review. That helps us get exposure and that helps people find us as a resource. This has been the Big Ideas in Youth Ministry podcast. Join us in the Big Ideas and Youth Ministry Facebook group to be part of the ongoing conversation.